Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcoming your text messages that pertain to lawns and gardens on this Saturday. Smart Garden is what it's called. Uh, I'm here. Julie Weisenhorn is there. And uh, (laughs) Maggie's with us, too, today, right? Yes, good morning. Hi, Maggie. Maggie Ryder's with us. If you have any kind of a turf question, right, Julie? She's the one you want to chat with. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We won't, we won't put that burden on you, but uh, it's great to have you both. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we initially had planned to be on that front veranda there, our deck at the yes. Minnesota State Fair, but uh, things were not meant to be this year. Uh, but we're still going to go forward. The show must go on. And uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, text it in. Here's the number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Well, uh, Julie and Maggie, I I was doing some uh, yard work uh, this past day, actually a couple days, and I started doing some seeding. Was I a little too early for that, Maggie? No, that is perfect. The best time to seed was about one week ago. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, with, with the drought that we've had this summer, there's a lot of dead, dead spots in lawns or, or spots that are really thin. I wouldn't say I've seen totally dead lawns, but there's just a lot of variation, you know, ac- across the landscape spots that tend to be more damaged are the, on the edge, you know, along the sidewalks or the boulevard area between the street and the, and the sidewalk, um, you know, full sun areas or South facing slopes. Um, but the, the best thing we can do right now is, is throw seed down as much as possible and just try to catch the rain. So about a week ago was perfect. Um, and then, you know, I, I've been telling people keep seeding over the next two to three weeks just to try to try to catch this rain when it comes. Um, mm-hmm. and then worst case, you know, if it stays dry through September, we can do the dormant seeding approach that would be in like November, even into December. Yeah, that's it's uh, hard to believe that that is coming up soon. Julie, what are you doing in your garden this time of year? Well, right now I'm working on kind of just cleaning things up. I switched out some annual flowers that had pretty much finished blooming for some of our fall blooming mums in one of my container, a couple of my containers. And uh, boy, it's nice to see those plants. And I have been, um, I've been taking out some plants that maybe didn't make it through the summer or have become overgrown, um, not producing so well from a blooming standpoint. So I've been removing some of those things and kind of thinking about what I might put in place of those next year. So that's something, you know, if, if, um, if you're tired of gardening, it's been a tough year with watering and the heat. 
Um, start thinking about next year. You know, hopefully we'll have a more normal amount of rain or at least a more sufficient rain. And, uh, and we can always start thinking about what we want to plant next year. For sure. Again, 651-989-9226, text only, uh, please. And we've got a bunch of those. I, I had a feeling, Maggie, that this is, uh, we were going to be, you know, getting a lot of these type of texts. And I was thinking about it yesterday myself. With all the rain, Texter says, can I finally put down some weed and feed on my lawn? I have a lot of weeds to get rid of. Is it appropriate to use this time of year? Yeah, over the next week, I think the answer is yes. Because with, you know, with the rain that we've gotten this this past week, that'll get the weeds growing again. I was telling people to hold off, you know, all through the early part of August because the weeds were not necessarily actively growing, so they wouldn't respond to herbicide product that would be applied. They wouldn't take it up, and it, it wouldn't work properly. But now that we got this hit of moisture, the weeds are going to start growing again and probably start producing seeds, seed heads, and flowers. Um, so it would be appropriate to use that stuff uh, okay, next that's week. Good. Yeah, but don't but but don't do it if you're seeding as well, right? Yeah, that's one thing to be very careful of. If you need to be putting down seed, you do not want to use any type of of weed control or weed prevention that includes pre-emergent um, active ingredients that, that Julian, will prevent the seeds from coming up. Yep. Julie and Maggie, we uh, we always like to talk about the U of M Extension website, and here's a question about it: the U Extension website talks about a vertical mower to use when overseeding a lawn. They want to know what is that? So, yeah, a vertical mower would be, it's like a device that you would, you know, move across the top of the top of the lawn and it has like blades that basically like kind of chop up the, cut into the soil one or two inches. And the idea is when you're seeding to kind of loosen up the top of the soil a little bit um, and then you put your seed down and then you have improved seed to soil contact and that's what you want. Uh, however, I will say also this year, a lot of lawns are very stressed. Um, I, I'm telling people to hold off on your aerification or that, that vertical mowing. It's similar to like defatching. Just hold off on that because it's, it's pretty aggressive. And I'm concerned that the, the grass could be injured even more and have a hard time recovering. For seeding, though, you do, you do want to get seed down to the soil surface. So lightly raking, I mean, very carefully raking with like a, a hand leaf rake would I think is the best approach this year. If you have a lawn or garden question, especially a turf question, Maggie's joining Julie this morning, uh, 651-989-9226. Julie, here's one that says, good morning. I have two poinsettias from last Christmas, both still blooming, getting new green leaves now. How do I get the new leaves to turn red? Thank you very much. Love the program. Oh boy. Well, that's a great uh, question and something that comes up periodically. Um, poinsettias, the, the leaves are what we call the flowers, but actually the flowers of the plant are very insignificant. They're little tiny yellow centers uh, of those leaves, which are actually not leaves, but bracts are very insignificant. They're little tiny yellow centers uh, of those leaves, which are actually not leaves, but bracts. And uh, the way that a, that a grower would turn those bracts red or pink or white, whatever it might be, is that they, the plants go into a dark environment. I believe it's about 18 hours a day. And uh, in other words, all day long. So they use shade cloth, they use uh, dark enclosures. And, uh, and that change in light is what turns those bracts red. Uh, I have heard of homeowners being successful with this. I have tried it myself and completely forgot about the poinsettia in the closet. 
toasted it. It was dead. <laughs> um, but uh, so you can try it and you can take a look at our poinsettia page and, and where I describe kind of this process and give it a shot. You know, if you're if these are healthy plants, but don't forget about them. Remember to water them. And the other thing about poinsettias is they do like good drainage. So be sure that they're draining well when you do water them. If you're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, Maggie Ryder from the U of M, especially if you have a turf question, a lawn question, uh, text it in. Uh, And we have a bunch of them, 651-989-9226. Here's one, Maggie, before we take a break. Uh, how How do I grow grass in a sandy, sunny area in northern Minnesota? That's interesting. So uh, sandy soils will have uh, good drainage, but probably lower water holding capacity. So they're, they're probably a little bit drier. Um, grasses I recommend for that, regardless of the, the light levels, would be fine, fine fescues. So I talk a lot about fine fescues. They're a sort of lower input, more sustainable grass, but they're adapted to sandy soils and do well um, with less water. That's, a, that, you know, kind of turning this into the conversation about the drought and, and seeding this fall. I bit, Another good idea is to, when we're choosing grass seed this fall for our repairing our lawns, choose some of these fine fescue grasses and tall fescue grasses. They, they stay greener for longer, and they, take, they need less, less water, less fertilizer, and less mowing, too. All right. Let's uh, do this. Let's take a quick break. Invite our listeners to join in uh, on our lawn and garden question here via text, 651-989-9226. It's Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Well, that doesn't work right now, but uh, but soon, as they say, for the rest of your life. Uh, it's 651-989-9226 is our text number, text only this morning here on our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn, Maggie Ryder from the University of Minnesota answering your uh, questions, especially if you have a lawn, a turf question. This is your day today. Ask Maggie those uh, particular questions. Here's one, Maggie. Is it still recommended to core plug lawns in the fall with our current drought? Yep. Great question. Um, it depends. I mean, if, so if you have a lawn where you have an irrigation system and you've been watering all year and the grass is green and dense, then it would be okay to proceed as normal. But if your lawn has any browning, any dead areas from this, this drought stress that we've had, then I say no. Hold, hold off on the aerification, pulling cores. Things like dethatching, vertical mowing, those are just, they're really aggressive um, mechanical, you know, disturbances. And I'm concerned, I don't think the grass is going to recover as well as it would historically. So yeah. just hold off on those. Good. I was just thinking about some uh, uh, core aeration, but hold off on that for a while. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Julie, here's one. It says, my young maple, about five feet tall and two inch diameter, has a forked trunk. Should I prune it to one stem? Well, I would, I would actually hold off on that. I, I kind of like what Maggie said about the lawns. I, I think our, our trees have really, really been stressed this year, and especially younger trees. Even our older trees are mature trees too, but those younger trees are really struggling. And uh, so we've re- been recommending to hold off on pruning at this point. And even with maples, you can prune maples in the winter when they're dormant. And I think this is going to be a good year for really following that advice and waiting until the plant goes dormant so the stress on the plant is much less. And we're not compounding the environmental issues with also mechanical issues. 
Okay. Here's one that starts with help. Now, later in the season, the lilacs are browning and dropping leaves with the same new odd issue as last year. What uh, does the you or you guys recommend right now with that problem? Well, the browning and dropping, I, I think they're uh, referring to the uh, issue that we had last year, the lilac blight. And I, the, the, the best way to tell is to send a sample into our plant disease clinic. And they have a website at pdc.umn.edu and have it analyzed. That's one way. The other is to just realize that this has been, again, a very stressed year. We have not heard of anybody having this issue. At least I haven't. Uh, the same as last year. And I suspect it's because the plants have been stressed in so many different ways. It's been really hard to, you know, uh, discern what what's going on exactly but we've chalked a lot of the problems up to environmental stress this year so rake up the leaves uh if you don't want to send in a sample that's fine see how it goes uh, but rake everything up and clean up around the plant um, do your pruning after it blooms next spring maybe open up the canopy a little bit so that it gets a little bit more air a little bit more light and see if that helps okay Maggie, here's one. It says, I've heard the germination rate for lawn overseeding is only 2%. How do I maximize germination? Mm, I think, so the germination rate is going to depend on a lot of things. Um, and what you want to do is when you're when you're buying seed in a store, look at the label. Look closely at the label. There'll be a little like white square um, sticker on most of the seed bags that write out specifically like what grasses are in there, what varieties and what percentage of the of each grass there is, and it will tell you the percent germination. So try to try to pick seed that's at least 85, 90% um, germability or, or germination. And then the other thing is there's a lot of patch repair mixes that include um, like mulch or um, like different paper products, that kind of thing, and, and it's sort of like filler, right? So you're not getting as much seed. And this is actually happening a lot this year because they're sort of, uh, grass seed shortages. Um, so just be thoughtful about try to get try to get the most seed for what you're buying and, and look closely at that label and see if you're getting a lot of that sort of like mulch or filler. But that's not to say that that's that's bad. You know, it is beneficial to have some type of a mulch or again like some you know paper products um, with your seed because it helps hold hold moisture um, close to the seed. Okay. Good morning. This texture says, I have a flowering crab tree that's about 15 years old. And this year, out of one of the branches, it grew a large green apple about the size of a baseball. Only <laughs> one. What's going on? I have absolutely no idea what is going on there. It's just an anomaly. Um, pretty interesting. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure. I think it's just kind of a fluky thing. Sure. Been a crazy year, though. Let's face it. It has been a crazy year. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I suppose. <laughs> Here's one, Julie. It says, "When and how do I get rid of common purple violet?" Love the show. Oh well, that's actually a good question for Maggie because that's uh, oftentimes a broadleaf weed. I'm doing air quotes at this point. A lot of people like violets. Violets are great for skippers, which are uh, one of our butterflies that are important in our ecosystem. But Maggie, do you want to address the common violet yeah. question? Yeah. So thanks, Julie. I mean, yeah, consider that the idea of a weed and, and the services that it does provide <laughs> to some pollinators. Um, but if you want, if you want to get rid of it, the, the wild violets are really, it's pretty aggressive weed. It has like purplish flowers, kind of a, 
uh, heart-shaped um, leaf. It's often confused with Creeping Charlie, um, but it doesn't spread by above-ground runners. It spreads more by underground rhizomes. Uh, that, you know, I always break it down. There's three ways to do it, um, depending on how you feel about, about using pesticides. So first, you can pull it by hand, but you have to dig out all of the roots um, and all those rhizomes underground. So that, that would be difficult. The second, there is a natural herbicide that's like an iron. It's iron, basically. It's called iron chelate, or on the label it will say, iron h-e-d-t-a and there's there's usually a few products on a retail shelf that have this this iron um, which again is sort of like a natural herbicide for broad leaves that is going to take it will take probably three at least maybe even you know four or more repeated applications of using that um, because it's not as effective as the conventional herbicides so that's a you know about the third option is using just um, conventional or, or traditional weed killers or herbicides. And you want to look for ones that have triclopyr in them. Those tend to be the most effective. But a lot of the, like, general broadleaf, broadleaf, um, you know, weed control products will include three or four different ingredients, including triclopyr sometimes. So so those those will work. Okay. So, so Maggie, we talk so much about using triclopyr. I am, have you heard of any weeds that have developed a resistance to triclopyr? I'm always worried about that. We recommend yeah. it so often, and it's so effective right now. Yeah, no, I, I haven't, I mean, fortunately. But that's, good. that's a good point to make of, like, if you keep using triclopyr over and over again for years and years and years, you, the weeds could become resistant to that. Um, so ways to make sure that doesn't happen is to, to use products that, Maybe include some other active ingredients. And like I said, a lot of these broadleaf weed control products will have three or four different active ingredients right. in there beyond triclopyr. Okay. You know what? We need to take a break for that uh, rainy forecast. We'll do that uh, and glad to do it. Uh, stay tuned. We have about another half hour of the show to go. 651-989-9226 for your lawn and garden questions via text here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denning along on this end with Julie Wise and Horn Maggie Ryder from the University of Minnesota. And if you have specifically today, uh, Maggie's uh, joining Julie to answer any of your lawn questions. So if you have any kind of turf questions, uh, text in those questions at 651-989-9226. You know what we haven't mentioned yet, and we always like to, uh, Maggie and Julie, is the uh, Arboretum. Get out there if you haven't, right? Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, it is looking lovely. I was just uh, I, I was out there taking pictures, and it is just oh my gosh! It's got gorgeous. The flowers are beautiful, and the pollinators are active. Um, the lawns aren't looking so hot, but that's a good example of uh, you know what to do during these dry conditions. And uh, but boy, the the gardens are looking fantastic. So yeah. be sure to get out there. Right after you head out west on Highway 5 and 41 is the closest uh, intersection, I think. That is uh, correct. Let's see. Here's one, uh, Maggie. My lawn guy said that my lawn, which contains bluegrass, will not come back next year. Is that correct? Uh, it depends. So Kentucky bluegrass, that's the most popular lawn grass in Minnesota. 75% of lawns are covered in Kentucky bluegrass. Um, it's very quick to go dormant or brown. But it does it does sit in a sort of drought induced dormancy where it'll stay brown for maybe three or four weeks and, and it'll green up when water returns. Um, but that's you know we've had just this prolonged drought for what two two and a half three months now, so it's 
there are some areas where Kentucky bluegrass is dying. Um, and I would say, you know, based on the rain that we've gotten in the last, over the last like two or three weeks, the kind of um, spots of rain that we've gotten, if you don't see any new green leaves coming out of the base of some of those plants, then they're probably dead. Um, but it, like I said at the beginning, it's, it's very variable across different properties, even across a single lawn. Those areas that tend to have more death are in the exposed to full sun or, you know, on the edge of the sidewalks or the hardscapes, whereas shadier areas aren't, aren't as bad or there's a lot more living grass in those still. So it depends. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Oh, I think I might have lost you. And good Saturday morning. Well, it was a good Saturday morning till the power went out in our neighborhood briefly. It, of course, takes oh a while goodness. to get reestablished and at this age of technology. Uh, we're back at it, and we have about 10, 15 minutes of our Smart Garden show to go. Thanks to Maggie Ryder for, for what we say, tap dancing, until uh, Julie and I can uh, reconnect. But we have a show to go. Thanks to Maggie Ryder for, for what we say, tap dancing. <laughs> until uh, Julie and I can uh, reconnect, but we are back together here, so uh, we have more show to more show to take care of, and there's lots, just tons of text messages, uh, Maggie and Julie. So let's, uh, where do we even begin? Um, here's one: our ten by twelve patch of corn was blown over by the last storm. Anything can we do? Anybody want to oh. advise uh, about <laughs> corn? That's a first. Um. Yeah, actually, that I, I was just out on a tour, and we were looking at sweet corn, uh, and lots of blowover from that, and that's just something that happens. I don't think there's anything to really do about it. Nobody had any uh, advice anyway, so um, yeah, I, I guess harvest whatever ears might be have been developed on there, and and that's all you can do. Maggie, here's one. It says, uh, can, can you spray 2,4-D for crabgrass now? No, that so 2,4-D is a is a product that's more designed for broadleaf weed control, and crabgrass is a, a grass or a grassy weed, so it's, it wouldn't be effective on crabgrass. But there's a whole other suite of um, grass controlling uh, herbicides. Okay, this texture had a tornado two years ago. The oak trees that survived look like pipe cleaners, but leafed out <laughs> nicely. Now they're dying. Could it be oak wilt or just major stress? Do you think? Well, the the only way to tell if it's a oak wilt is is actually send a sample in or contact a certified arborist to come out and take a look at it. Uh, I would do that because if if they had a lot of damage from the tornado and now they're looking very weird and uh, also seem to be dying back. I mean, again, remember it's been a stressful year. So first they were hit by the tornado a while ago, and now they've been subject to drought and extreme heat. So it could be a combination of built up stress from the damage and then now this uh the droughty summer that we've had but you know certified arborists are terrific resources we have a lot of great arborists in minnesota you can visit uh our tree and shrub web page on extension.umn.edu and you can go to trees and shrubs and find uh, a publication called how to hire a tree professional and that will help you with questions to ask as well as resources to find a certified arborist. Okay, very good. 
This one says, can I still shape my yew tree? It's got so shaggy over the summer, or do I have to wait until spring? You could you could prune that now. Um, I would wait. At, we're going to get some nice rain, it sounds like, in the next couple of days, and the temperatures are going to be cooler. I would just kind of hang tight on doing any kind of pruning until we get through this next uh, few rainy days. It'll just reduce the stress on the plant overall. Okay. Uh, again, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Deer devoured my coneflowers and uh, rudbeckia this spring, pre-flowering. Still have green leaves at the ground. Will the flower they flower next year? Do you think? Most likely, they will be just fine next year. So uh, just just mulch them. Put some leaf mulch around them this winter, and uh, I'm sure they'll be great next year. All right, here's an interesting one. It says for the lawn. Uh, electric robot mowers claim that by mowing your lawn about every day or so and cutting small lengths off the lawn each time, you will be able to eliminate weeds because weeds cannot tolerate that much tiny trimming like the grass can. Is that true or a sales pitch is the question? Wow. Mm, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. So that is that's the way that those robot mowers work are like a Roomba that just moves around the lawn and they can go every day. They can go overnight and you don't cut the grass or mow it so much as you're like maintaining that height of cut. Um, I don't, I have not seen any evidence on how they affect weed populations though. So that, yeah, I mean, I'm a little skeptical, um, okay. but they are a useful, a useful tool. All right. This listener lost uh, two large shade trees in the front yard and the grass is totally dead should we remove all the dead grass before we reseed? We previously had a lot of thatch. Uh, should we start over from scratch is the question. I think that's you, Maggie. <laughs> Wait, sorry. I It was just, it cut out. Could you say that again, Denny? Oh, okay, sure. Um, we they This uh, listener lost uh, two large shade trees in the front yard and the grass totally dead. Should we remove all the dead grass before we reseed? We previously had a lot of thatch. Their question is, should we restart over from scratch? Oh, thanks, Denny. Um, Yeah, I mean, so you want to get rid of some of that dead leaf material or some of that thatch that's just being described. And like I said, just go with a light leaf rake, just a hand rake, and kind of rake that up and and open, open up the thatch enough so you can see the soil surface and you want to get the seed applied down to the soil surface. Um, but leaving a little bit of that kind of brown or thatchy material might be okay or might be helpful as sort of like a, like a mulch that will help hold moisture for those new seeds to germinate. So give it a, you know, kind of scratch it up with a leaf rake, but I don't think you have to completely um, remove all of it. Julie, this texture says my lilacs show the blight this year again. Uh, this texture is 60 years old, have had lilacs in my yard all my life, and only saw this last year and this year. Sad to lose my lilacs, texture says. Yeah, I don't know if they'll absolutely lose the lilacs. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is something that we saw last year for the first time. And we do have a good web page on that, uh, on extension.umn.edu, under our trees and shrubs, and you can go down to lilacs, and we do have that information there. Um, you can always send a sample to our plant disease clinic. This is similar to the earlier question that we had. Raking up and sanitation around those plants is important because the spores are retained on the old leaf material 
from year to year. So be sure to clean up around it, rake up around there. Be sure that you're doing good uh, pruning to open up that canopy. You want to prune lilacs after they bloom. So wait until next spring to do any kind of pruning. Okay. Maggie, this uh, texter says their yard was hard hit by drought. Can hydro seeding work out spring or fall? Yeah, I, either. That is one approach to um, seeding new new grass areas, the hydro seeding. And so you get like what is applied is sort of a slurry of seed, maybe a little bit of fertilizer. And sometimes it's like a, it's a mulch, again, kind of like a pulp. Uh, it can be like a whitish color or a greenish color. And yeah, you know, I, we, I always say to get the most out of your seed or your pasture repair mixes it does help to have a little bit of, of mulch um, just because it helps keep that, keep moisture and water close to the new seeds. So I, yes, either approach can work. At either okay. You're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn, Maggie Ryder from the U of M, helping you out on our Smart Garden show this morning. By the way, we're here every Saturday, uh, barring uh, power outages, uh, in the uh, 8 o'clock <laughs> hour. And uh, again, text number only, 651-989-9226. This texter needs to transplant mature blueberry bushes this weekend due to moving. Uh, any suggestions for how best to do this? Yeah, so blueberries grow in very acidic soils. Uh, I believe 4.5 to 5.5, so very acidic. And so it's difficult to grow them in our area. This texture doesn't say where they're located. So the recommendation is to dig a very large hole for the shrubs and to fill it mostly with peat moss. And and that will create a very acidic environment for those plants to grow. And then uh, uh, to be sure that you water them very well until, uh, you know, keeping that soil moist so that those plants can reestablish their roots. And I would mulch around the base of them a little bit um, just to uh, just to help hold in that moisture as well. Okay. My, this one says, uh, my grandson and I planted some Honeycrisp apple seeds early this spring. We now have little trees that are about eight inches tall. Is there any hope that someday they might become actual apple trees, or should I quietly make them disappear? <laughs> <laughs> well, they are. Uh, they will definitely become apple trees, but whether they become a Honeycrisp is doubtful. So uh, Honeycrisp are grafted uh, as many of our apple trees are. And, uh, and so growing from seed, you are going to get some genetic material from probably one of the parents. And so it, it, you, you will not get a true honey crisp apple. You would have to take a vegetative cutting from the tree, from a, a honey crisp tree and root it in order to get a true honey crisp. So you're going to get an apple tree, but who knows what the apples will be like. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> all, all this text says grubs, grubs everywhere. Help. So wow. there was a lot of. It seemed like there was. I assume this is about lawns. I mean, there was a lot yeah. of um, grub damage in the in the springtime, and the time to tr- to preventatively treat the grubs would have been in in June. Well, maybe May, June. At this point, they're they're very big. They're very large, and like anything that you throw at them, it's not going to kill them. So I, I honestly, I say just kind of let, let it rip, let it go, um, and then plan on putting down preventative uh, insecticide products next April, May, June time. 
Here's one that's kind of related, and we get this from time to time here on the show. It says, my backyard has a worm infestation, progressively worse over the last five years. I've been told by the U they are good for the lawn, but now it's difficult to walk or mow. I see their casings. Any ideas how to control? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. Like, Like you just said, it's generally considered beneficial to have earthworms in your soil. Um, I know those those castings can be bothersome and they can make a mess when mowing. Um, they're, they're probably more messy if your lawn is, is thin for any reason or, you know, a backyard can have a lot of shade. So, you know, the, the best thing I can say is, like, try to use a – try to get a shade-tolerant grass in there, like the fine fescues, again, that, that we talk about a lot. They're, they're more shade-tolerant and will be – will stay more dense in shadier areas. I mean, Julie, do you have anything to add about – well, I, yeah, I think with worms, it's, I always like to think about the environment that you've created for them and worms like a moist environment, maybe cut back on your irrigation if you're watering. Um, I think overwatering uh, any garden bed, lawns uh, can really create an environment for some of these underground insects like, um, like worms. They, they don't like dry conditions. So maybe cut back on the irrigation and they'll maybe find other places to go. Maggie and Julie, we have about a minute to go. Uh, real fast, we had an, another couple of questions about weed and feed. Is now the time to do that? Yes, you, you can do that for certain weed and feed products. The ones that have like broadleaf weed controls in them, those would be appropriate. But it, you have to be careful because a lot of these weed and feed products have, have pre-emergent um, herbicides in them. So again, if you're, if you're going to try to do any seeding in the next month or two months, you don't want to use a weed and feed product that is has pre-emergent activity because it's going to prevent the um, we, the new seeds from coming up, the, the desirable grass seeds that you want. Julie, in 10 seconds, let's get the U of M website. Okay, first of all, the Apple House is open at the Arboretum. So go out and buy Ooh. some apples. First kiss right. has been picked. Uh, our website, extension.umn.edu. Got some great articles that answer lots of questions. Got to get to the uh, Apple House this weekend. Uh, yeah. uh, thanks for the reminder. Thank you both, Maggie and Julie. Uh, yep. Let's talk again, all right? Sounds good. Thanks. Julie Weisenhorn to Maggie Reiner. Thanks, Maggie, from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis. That's coming up next hour, normally from the State Fair, not to happen, of course, this year. few clouds out there right now. In the Twin Cities, our current CCO temperature reading, 70 degrees here on CCO. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.